Oh my, let's just do breaking news. No more bullshit. No more bullshit. No bullshit. All right, all right. Happy 4th of July, everybody. I We're not going to, we're just not going to do hate and anxiety and corruption and politics and law enforcement. We're not, we're not doing it. It's, it's the weekend. I, I think we all need a break. Shouldn't forget what's going on, but we need a break to maybe think about ourselves. So today, in the spirit of the holiday, the national holiday, we, we want to do a segment with you about knowing your rights. Everybody's got their rights, but do you really know them? Uh, also a special man on the street segment from comedian Detroit Red, who's now sort of an unaffiliated member of the No Bullshit News Hour. <laughs> uh, Great guy. Be, he is. He's pretty good, too. I mean, he was He was very, funny, very, too, Charlie. Like, People liked him. He was funny. Yeah. And he was doing this bit. He went out on the streets and he was carrying his piece. And he told me that. I go, we're reporters, we're journalists. We don't carry a piece because <laughs> that's just part of the job. Like, it is can be dangerous but you have to accept it. And if you can't, you don't do it because we don't want that Chipotle scene going down like up in Lake <laughs> Orion or whatever. But before we get to that, um, we also want to replay you a story of a, 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 an immigrant song. What's great about this country and people come here and make a new life and they, and they prosper and they, they give. Uh, and finally, if you're listening to that and you bag out, I would not bag out because a very special guest will be joining us at the end of the show. If we can technically make it happen, that is American music legend Jose Feliciano will be joining us to talk about the national anthem, his version of it that he sang in 1968, game five at Tiger Stadium and the incredible legacy that thing has left us. So hang in the show. It's all good. Um, and we'll try to get you out. Again, happy 4th, uh, No Bullshit News Hour Facebook Live brought to you by Hall Financial, who wants you to know that mortgage rates are at an all-time low. That's why so many people are refinancing right now. Lower your monthly payments and put money in your pocket. If you're on the uh, market for that new home, remember Hall Financial Services, the fastest in the business. Get your mortgage in half the time of their competitors. That's why they have more than 1,500 five-star reviews. And remember, appraisals can be done without someone stepping foot in your house and smoking COVID all over the place. <laughs> Call 248-308-5000 or go to the webpage, davidhallmortgage.com, NMLS number 1467-435. Karen, I, we don't really do comment on the news, right? We do our own news. We, we, right. But, I mean, everybody, everybody's just, just talking about the videotape of a black woman and a white woman in a Chipotle parking lot in Oakland County. Can, can you set that up and, and tell us what you think? Well, Charlie, let me first say, yeah, everybody's talking about that today. Uh, sadly, it'll be something else in another day or so. Uh, the, bigger question, the bigger question is, why was anybody eating in Chipotle? Nobody had on a mask. <laughs> I mean, nobody had on a mask. So we got some other issues. But um, yeah, it seemed as though the... Um, black lady and her 15 year old daughter were either entering or exiting the restaurant and passing the white woman who was going in the opposite direction. Um, the white lady bumped into the 15 year old. We don't know how hard, whether it was gentle, whether it appeared intense, I mean, intentional or, or not. Uh, and I think the, you know, somebody said, Hey, you know, say, excuse me. And that sparked what ended up 
with the white lady pulling her weapon uh, and ultimately she and her husband being arrested uh, as a result. So there were a lot of words exchanged, a lot of tension going on, but I think it's a microcosm of what people are feeling these days, sadly so. Um, I made a point that you can't always tell what's rude and what's racist. It's hard sometimes to distinguish between the two, uh, but given where we are right now as a country, if there's a black person and a white person involved, it's automatically racist. That, why, that, why are we doing this shit? I mean, like you said, it's, it's, it's an isolated incident in one place in America. And first of all, by the end of it, white woman's wrong. You, you, you don't even know your gun rights. You're not allowed to brandish true. a pistol unless it's an imminent threat. Having watched the tape, I also watched a black woman use pejorative language, racist language, threaten harm, get in the back of the car. What, what we're, are we losing track of what's really going on? We're, we're picking on each other and not looking at hedge fund managers <laughs> and big corporations dodging taxes and our schools are fucked up. You know why? Well, there's, ahead, uh, Mark, there's, not, there's not good video to go along with those issues. This is good video for That's, people to watch and well, comment on. But I'm also feeling too, this is, this, this is, it is a distraction, but it's also a distraction that reserve that deserves some attention because it's the bubbling under that has existed for so long. And now every little bump just makes it explode. Yeah. Um, and, and unfortunately that's, that's where we are. Um, it, so it is something what? there, but it is a distraction. We, we had some other things going on, but this has to be addressed at some point in the right way. And I was talking to Detroit red before the show and you know, look, he goes, Look, dude, maybe burning shit up's not the right way. Maybe fuck you, white motherfuckers, not the white, right way. A gun certainly isn't the no, right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he says that's that's just centuries of frustration and nobody listening. And I said, yep. that is so true. And it, it cannot be denied. It must be acknowledged. But sort of trying to equal it out, right, by doing the same shit that's been done to you for centuries won't get us anywhere i'm not imagining anybody but i'm i'm just so sad that a potentially good moment right of moving the country forward is getting lost and entertaining ourselves to death but this is the other thing too charlie this is what i keep trying to tell a lot of people is that while we keep seeing you know such diverse audiences marching and everybody's got a black lives matter shirt and sign not everybody is on that kumbaya tip I mean, on both sides. And because of that, people are sitting back and they're creating a whole different level of anxiety and reality in their minds. And then when they encounter somebody that may or may not be just, then everything explodes. You know, there was a guy that was coming out of a pizza place on Jefferson. He was watching his phone. This white lady passed him and she leaned over and she spat on him. The guy didn't even look at her. I mean, so you have a lot of people on both sides that are frustrated, that are fearful, that are angry, and that are afraid. So, one, one of the one of the I big don't know where we're going. one of the big problems too is you get these little uh, clips of videos. You don't know the whole story. You don't right. know how it started. You don't. That's you only true. get half of the story. Even even that guy in Jefferson, I think it was Belle Isle Pizza. Yes. Uh, did you ever hear it reported that they got into an argument? When he was inside, no, because nobody wants to dig into the deep well, part. But there was he was they, the the video showed him coming out of his oh. car. So you're right, but I don't know. It could have been no, there no earlier. Ex- no we, excuse we for know. what she did, but it but wasn't. It doesn't like, justify being spit on, and she didn't justify pulling a gun. I mean, and, at and some I, point, human decorum has to kick in. <laughs> well, here. people need to stop 
fighting back and counting counter punching. Just go about your day. Just move on. And if there's one segment in that video that really stands out to me as being from 2020, it's when she has her gun pulled and the other girl is standing there with her cell phone camera filming it. It's like like not moving. Not I'm moving. Not it's a, a, a cell phone camera versus a gun. That's 2020. Yeah, nobody's afraid. I mean, they did. Charlie and I were talking about that earlier. They did not move. She kept talking. She kept filming. And I'm like, you're looking down the barrel of what appeared to be a nine millimeter and you aren't flinching. And everybody's walking around with one. Right. That's true. Police know it. People in the parking lots know it. Where are we going to go? Like, where are we going to go? And the first place that you have to go is you have to educate yourself. You do. You have to know the law. You have to know what's going on. You, if you want to find out why your schools suck, you got to you got to go to these city council meetings. Nobody wants to do that. We all want to do this. Yeah. You got to know your rights. You say you got your rights, but do you know your rights? It's like the Ten Commandments. Few people seem to have them at their mental fingertips. You know, the Bill of Rights are the first ten amendments of the Constitution, which lay out the basic. Oh freedoms and due processes of law guaranteed to each and every one of us. And even if you don't like each other, so be it. We're here and we all get them and all of them apply. You can't accept some and not the others. So in the spirit of the holiday and the times, we put together this little bit here, this little cheat sheet about the Bill of Rights in which Karen will read elegantly, I'm sure, their exact verbiage which will be followed by the regular people interpretation by me, which is designed to help any jailhouse lawyer commit them to memory. (laughs) And my analysis will be followed by the expert analysis. And I'm happy to welcome back special assistant Michigan attorney general and distinguished professor of constitutional law at Wayne State University, Bob Sedler. Hey, Bob, welcome to the show again, brother. Thank you. Good. Uh, So, um, why don't we say this? No, let me say this. Let's set this up, though. It's important to first consider the preamble to the Declaration of Independence, the signing of which is what we commemorate this weekend. It's considered one of the most powerful sentences ever written in the English language, and it provides the basic argument of the origins of your rights. I will read that. Do you, do you, unless you have it, Karen. Let's yeah, I have a look. Go ahead. It. I got it. In an historical context. Let us read it first, Robert. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Go ahead, Karen. Read it, please. All right. You want the preamble to the U.S. Constitution? It's just it that is, we hold these truths. Right. Okay. Well, well, I mean, okay, you want the preamble. I got it. No, I, just I we hold, it. Start with we hold these truths to be. We hold, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay, Professor, now let's see what that, that meant in 1776. What it meant is all white male property owners are equal to other white male property owners. He used the word men. He wasn't referring to black men, most of whom were slaves. He surely wasn't referring to women who did not vote who did not have rights, who were subordinate first to their fathers, then to their husbands. And they didn't, he didn't mean white males who didn't have any property. He meant white male property owners. 
Similarly, okay. in theory, the Constitution comes from the people of the United States. But who were the people in 1787? They were white male property owners. So picture a room of well-dressed white men with riches. Now, 15th Amendment in 1870, the suffrage was extended to black men. So picture field hands, black field hands, which most of them were, now became not only citizens, but entitled to vote. With the 19th Amendment in 1920, picture women, like flappers at the time, coming into the room. And then in 1971, with the 26th Amendment, picture young people in jeans. So now the room is filled up with men, women, young people, people of color, all of us are the people of the United States. And so if we go back to rewrite the Declaration of Independence, it would say all people are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well done, Professor. That's why you are the distinguished professor of constitutional law. I will throw this last one in before we get to the amendments, Karen. All right. The last racial group to claim its rightful place as citizens and be bestowed the right to vote were ironically Native Americans, the first people of this country in 1924. So just so we know that just the history of this country is not what they teach any of us. We all want to. So without further ado, Karen, amendment number one. Amendment one, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. So the translation is, don't tell me what to say. Don't tell me how to pray. Don't tell me where to stand. And don't tell me what to write. Professor? Well, it's a lot of powerful stuff in that First Amendment. And it is deliberate that it was first. We protect religious freedom two ways. With an establishment clause that requires that the government be completely neutral toward religion, that it not favor one religion over another, and that it not favor religion in the conventional sense, a sense over non-religion. So atheists and agnostics also have religious freedom. The second part protects individuals and religious institutions from being discriminated against and disadvantaged by the government. There was just a case last week, there was a lot of disagreement over it, but it basically says that if the state chooses to fund private education, it can't only fund private secular education, but must include religious schools. Now that's not an issue in Michigan, because the Michigan Constitution 
flatly says no public funds for any K to 12 private schools. In Michigan, okay. it's public right. funds for public schools, private funds for private schools. All right, Bob, we got 10, we got 10 of these to do, so you know. <laughs> Let's keep it tight take, here. Uh, the next four, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, it comes up to freedom of expression. Now, this is very controversial. We give more constitutional protection to freedom of speech than is provided under the Constitution of other democratic countries and international human rights norms. A lot of people don't like this, but we protect hate speech. We protect racist speech, sexist speech, homophobic speech. The theory of the First Amendment is that there is a marketplace of ideas and there's no such thing as a bad idea. So all ideas go into the marketplace and must compete. Now, a okay. lot of Americans disagree with that. Too bad it's written down. Hate speech, racial speech is not protected. It's, a, it it's, protected your, it's, it's your right. First Amendment. It's your right. And you can say it, and that's the way it goes. If you don't like what somebody's saying, too bad, this is America. Uh, Karen, amendment number two. All right, number two, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. A translation, I got a right to shoot my gun off. Not only do I got a right to shoot my mouth off, I got a right to shoot my gun off. That's how you remember one, then you remember two. <laughs> Professor? <laughs> Not that simple. <laughs> well, I know, but I'm just trying to get guys to remember them. But that's why, that's why you're here to actually explain it. Uh, one of the things is, like it or not, we have a strong gun culture in the United States. But as far as the Second Amendment is concerned, it does protect an individual right to have a loaded firearm in the home. It does not prevent reasonable regulation. For example, the states may limit uh, concealed weapon permits. It's a constitutional matter to people who have a demonstrated need. Now, most states don't. Michigan makes it pretty easy to get a concealed permit, uh, concealed weapon permit. I think the point that I want to make is that while the constitutional right is pretty specific and narrow, in practice, many states allow open carry. Michigan does make it very easy to get concealed permits. There are an awful lot of guns in the United States. Okay. Amendment number three, Karen. All right. No soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. The translation? Third Amendment. Uh, uh, my, my translation, my translation, Professor. Translation. <laughs> no Marines in my man cave. The Third Amendment was enacted to counter a practice that happened prior to the revolution where the uh, British government would say, we're taking your house and soldiers are coming in. This has not been an issue ever since independence. Hmm. Amendment number four, Karen. 
All right. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Regular people translation. Hey, copper, you're not coming in my house either unless you got a warrant. Professor? Well, (laughs) (laughs) this needs a lot of interpretation. Well, keep it tight. Keep it tight. Requirement is a very important one. The court has to issue a warrant based on probable cause. But the Supreme Court has not struck down what we call no knock warrants. That is ordinarily the Police should knock on the door and say, we have a warrant. Part of the war on drugs allows no-knock warrants. Now, that happened in Louisville, where the police had a no-knock warrant. They got the wrong place. They burst in. There was a man there that fired a shot at an officer's leg. They fired back, killing a woman. But there was a warrant, and that is what, in a sense, made it legal. I think there's pressure now to eliminate no-knock warrants. I think judges are going to have to be persuaded that it's absolutely necessary, which it usually isn't. The second part goes to what we call arrests. And there's a whole body of First Amendment law as to what is a permissible arrest. Uh, If they stop your car, they can ask you to produce license plates. They can't go in and search the car. They can't say, open the trunk unless they have a warrant. But if you have some marijuana on the back seat and that's in plain view, they can look at that. It's a very complex area of law, but the basic idea, and I think you've got that right, is that people have a right to privacy. The government can come up and say, show me your papers. There does have to be a warrant and there does have to be probable cause. And that was deep. That's helpful with a lot of things going on right now. So thank you for that. Um, I will also say as a side note, I still demand from the city of Detroit to see the videotape of the death of Derek Driver on the no knock warrant when you were looking for another suspect who was sleeping on his own couch and 15 shots were fired. I expect us to be able to see that since we're talking about this across the country. Karen, amendment number five, please. All right, no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia when in actual service in time of war or public danger, nor should any person be subject for the same service, for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without the due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. Now, for the jailhouse lawyer, amendment number five means I don't got to say shit. Professor? (laughs) 
well. <laughs> we first placed the Fifth Amendment only runs against the federal government. But most of the provisions are part of the 14th Amendment's guarantee of due process of law. Grand jury only applies to the federal government. The states are not required to provide grand jury. Theory was that the government could only indict someone if they could, if the prosecutors could persuade the grand jury that there was evidence. Grand jury tend to go along. It's not a terribly important guarantee. Double okay. jeopardy is. That That's the OJ. That person is acquitted. Person can't be tried again. And if the person is found guilty, the government can't go back and try him again. But we need a caution here. We have two separate systems of government, the federal government and the state government. The double jeopardy clause only applies to the same sovereign. So, for example, suppose someone robs a bank in Michigan. That's a federal crime. That's also a state crime. If the feds, say the feds go first and the person is acquitted, the state can then prosecute him for the same offense because they're separate gotcha. sovereigns. Got it. So that's like, come on with the Flint thing. Somebody the, take this thing to trial. It's a, I think it's a very bad decision. Supreme Court just re, reaffirmed it. Okay. Uh, that's now uh, the idea of self-incrimination. That's very important. We see this on the crime shows where the police give what are called Miranda warnings. Uh, anything you say can be used against you. That's a very, very strong prohibition. The idea is that the government has to go out and obtain independent evidence. They can't hold someone and say, we're going to hold you until you confess. There has to be independent evidence. People have the right to refuse to testify against you. Uh, okay. And that is the idea of can't be compelled to be a witness against yourself. Let's now, move this. Let, okay. I want to look at the other term. There are two more points. Not be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. That has a substantive meaning. Now, that's very controversial. Conservatives say it shouldn't have, a, it should only be fair procedures. Supreme Court has said no. There is, there are substantive rights that are so fundamental that they are protected by the due process clause. One of these rights is a woman's right to have a safe and legal abortion ever since Roe v. Wade. Before I came to Michigan, I was at the University of Kentucky. I litigated the Kentucky version of Roe v. Wade in 1970. I lost the case in the lower court, but the Supreme Court upheld a woman's right to a safe and legal abortion just last week. It struck oh, So let's, let's just do this. Law. Professor, professor is performing. Abortions. So the right to an abortion is, is protected under, under the fifth amendment is what you're saying. Protect the woman's right. Okay. Let's do six. Legal abortion. Let's do number six. Right. Go ahead, Kim. Okay. Number six in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right 
to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have been previously ascertained by law and to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. Translation, I wanna talk to a lawyer. Professor? Well, the the Sixth Amendment really has three things. One- Make them, make them quick. A trial has to be public. No secret trials, no closed courtroom, no star chamber like they used to have in England. Secondly, a criminal trial has to be before an impartial jury. There's a right to a jury trial and any questions of fact have to be determined by a jury. The third one is confrontation where witnesses have to be there in open court or otherwise there has to be an opportunity to confront accusers and to respond to evidence that has been used against the person. Okay. All right. Number seven, in suits of common law where the value in controversy shall exceed $20, the right of trial by jury shall be preserved and no fact tried by a jury shall otherwise be reexamined in any court of the United States than according to the rules of the common law. Translation, if it's worth 20 bucks, I'll see you in court. And this may also be called the slip and fall amendment. I'm going to sue you. Uh, the Seventh Amendment only applies to the federal government. Yes. It doesn't apply to the states. The states do not have to allow a, a jury trial in civil cases. That is up to the state. But under the Michigan Constitution, there is a right to a jury trial in civil cases. Thank you very much for that, sir. Amendment number eight, Karen. All right, number eight, excessive bail shall not be required nor excessive fines imposed nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. Translation, I get bail. Until I do, I get three square meals and a COVID mask if I want one. Professor? Well, even though it says excessive bail, uh, it does mean there should be an opportunity for bail, except in offenses like murder. The theory of bail is that it has to be set sufficiently high to ensure that the accused will show up in court. Uh, I don't know what the bill is for Officer Chauvin. Uh, This was the officer in Minnesota who was charged with second degree murder in the killing of Charlie Floyd, but I know it's, it's very high. Uh, Cruel and unusual punishment. That has resulted in a lot of litigation over when the state can impose the death penalty. Not an issue in Michigan because our Constitution, ever since 1846, has prohibited the death penalty. So we don't have all that litigation in Michigan that you have in states uh, where there is the death penalty but there can't be torture. Uh, The death penalty can only be administered in what is the, quote, 
most humane possible uh, way, which is now most humane way possible by lethal injection. But there have been some interesting interpretations. For example, the government cannot take away American citizenship of someone who has been convicted of a crime. Or you can't have laws that take away citizenship unless people voluntarily relinquish it. But it is a very specific provision and it has impact primarily on the on the death penalty. Oh, let's move to nine. Karen, number All right. nine. Number nine, the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Translation. Whatever rights we forgot to write down in these documents, like privacy, belong to the people. Professor? Let me tell you a story. All uh, right. You all remember Jack Kevorkian. Oh, it's a uh, good suicide story. suicide doctor. He was charged in uh, 19, uh, uh, 1998 with giving a lethal injection to Thomas Young. This was a charge of murder. He had, the, he had been represented by very prominent attorney Jeffrey Figer, but he got this idea that he wanted to represent himself. He had a young lawyer, two young lawyers being his advisor, and he asked me to be his advisor about possible challenges. I wanted to raise a claim that he was really trying to ease suffering, and I wanted to raise it on due process. Jack Kevorkian was very much of an independent scholar. He had looked into the history of the Ninth Amendment, and he said, I want to make a claim under the Ninth Amendment that terminally ill people in the end stages of their terminal illness have a right to make the choice to hasten death. And when I gave Thomas Yao a lethal injection, I was acting pursuant to the Ninth Amendment. I said, Jack, that's a very good argument. The problem is the Supreme Court has never recognized the Ninth Amendment. They basically use due process under the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment. Now, I want to make that argument for you under the due process clause. And he said, no, it's the Ninth <laughs> Amendment or not at all. We had a shouting match. The argument was never made. So, And how'd that work out for Jack? Here's a provision in the Constitution that basically has been superseded by a more specific prohibition, namely the guarantee of due process. If I could just put another thing in here, I was one of the lawyers, along with now Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel, in challenging the Michigan Marriage Amendment which prohibited a same-sex couple from getting married. The Supreme Court struck it down in 2015, saying that the right to marry is a fundamental right protected by the Due Process Clause, and the state has no valid reason for denying same-sex couples the right to marry. In five so again, years the, now, the Fifth Amendment. Same-sex couples routinely marry. Okay, Karen, right. the last but not least, 
Last but certainly not least, Amendment X, if you will, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. Now, that's a mouthful, but here's the regular guy translation. I got to give the regular translation. If it's not written, if it's not written down, the federal government's got no right to it. It belongs to us and not the government. They can do no more than what we told them they can do. Um, We go back to the Declaration of Independence, which is really the first constitutional document. Remember, these 13 states ought to be and hereby are free and independent states. Our constitutional system begins with the states. The states do not need to rely on the federal constitution for a grant of powers. So, Congress in theory does. So what the first part of the 10th Amendment is, is it means it states a truism that uh, if Congress doesn't have the power and the state isn't prohibited from doing it, the state's prohibited from doing things like denying habeas corpus, then the states can do it. But there's a second part to it, and that's called state sovereignty. When Congress regulates the states, it can do it to some extent, but it can't impose an unreasonable regulation. Now, this happened with the Affordable Care Act. In the Affordable Care Act, the states were required to agree to expand Medicaid to cover a lot more people. And if they didn't do it, they would lose all of their Medicaid funding. Supreme Court said, that's unreasonable. You can encourage the states to do it. You can subsidize it, but you can't force them to do it. You got to abide by the law. That's And that's where it's at. And that's why this is a beautiful country, the best experiment ever attempted by humankind. I have not lost faith in it. And Bob, I want to thank you. Uh, professor of constitutional law at Wayne State University, uh, Robert Sedler, and also the special assistant Michigan attorney general. Uh, I, I hope this is good for people picnicking right now. Good to actually hear an intellectual discuss the laws that you might not know or understand. So thank you again, sir, and happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July to everybody. Thanks. So, you know, guys, to review. I liked your version, Charlie. Yeah, one, I get to shoot my mouth off. I get to shoot my gun off. No soldiers in my house. No cops in my house unless you got a warrant. (laughs) Um, I don't got to say shit. I get a lawyer. In a federal case, if it's worth 20 bucks, I get a jury. I get bail. Just because my rights aren't listed here doesn't mean I got them. And federal government, you can only do what I told you you could do. And that's your bill of rights. Sounds pretty good to me. (laughs) I said that. Charlie? Yes, sir? You're going to send me an email describing your program, telling us something about your audience, so that our publicity people can put it out. Beautiful. Publicity people! Thank you. Here's what we're going to say. This guy is the greatest constitutional mind in the Great Lakes State. 
And we the are honored to have him on. They say that already. <laughs> I know. You and we were and honored to have him on, and he, and and he spoke regular people language. And that's what we need. We need to be reminded. So let us move on because I got to tell you about Luke Nowacki, right? My favorite. Thanks, Professor. My favorite wealth strategist. Get ready to cue him up, Mark. He's cute. Mark that disclaimer. Maybe you're a big time city official who can travel with your entourage on the city's dime. Or maybe you're a contributor who in turn gets hooked up with sweet government contracts. Maybe your kid gets a no-show job with the governor and now he's running Biden's campaign. Maybe it's like that. But if you're not among the elite who can make your pal's pockets fat off the taxpayers back, if you actually work for a living, call financial specialist Luke Nowacki, 248-663-4748. Grow your assets from annuities to individual retirement accounts, to college savings. Make that call now. Your politicians, not to mention your own children, are depending on you. Our friend Luke Nowacki at 248-663-4748. Hit me with the disclaimer, Mark. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member FINRASIPC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Our friend Detroit Red, the comedian, and social provocateur and sociologist and regular dude. Uh, we told him to go out, go out to the community and ask people if they know their rights. And uh, he just sent it in. So let's hope it works. My brother, Detroit Red. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, comedian Detroit Red. And I wanted to know how many Detroiters know the Ten Commandments versus the Ten Bill of Rights. So come on, hit the streets with me while we find out who's going to win. God's rules or the rights of the land. Out of the Ten Commandments and the Ten Bill of Rights, which one do you think you know more of? Repeat that again. Do you think you know the Bill of Rights better or the Ten Commandments? <laughs> Probably the, the Ten Commandments. I don't even know all ten of them. I just maybe know about three or four. <laughs> Give me the... Two Ten Commandments that you know. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, I've been 10 years since I was in high school, so I'm kind of rusty. Uh, the Ten Commandments. They gotta be exact. Out of the Ten Commandments and the Ten Bill of Rights, which one do you think you know better? That dude's wearing a Crown Royal bag for a mask. Love Probably it. the Ten Commandments. Okay, give me the top three Ten oh, Commandments you know. Uh, thou shalt not kill, maybe. Thou shalt not steal. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, you said how many? Three. One more. One oh, more. Man. You're doing good. Is it something about thou shalt not cover somebody else's wife or something like that? Okay, we won't even cover the rest of what that means. We got a youngster sitting there. A bill of rights. Um, you have the right to protest. Yep. And um, I know all ten of them. Wait a minute. You have the right to protest, and you have a right to free speech. Well, my Ten Commandments is, one, you know, don't do nothing with your lay ass. Let me ask you, which one do you think you know more of, the Bill of Rights or the Ten Commandments? Ten Commandments. Okay. Give me two Ten Commandments right off the top of your head. Uh, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not cover another man's wife. When they say cover another man's wife, for the youngsters that don't understand what covered mean, what's that? Uh, lust after Lust after, I think a whole bunch of people in trouble. They be around here lusting all day long. All right, name me three of the Ten Commandments you know. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not cover the neighbor's goods. So as we see, everybody know not to steal, kill, or screw somebody else's wife. Two, 
know, love your female, love your women. Out of the Ten Commandments and the Ten Bill of Rights, which one do you think you know more of? We don't care. <laughs> Think of them right now. Okay, so you can't between so you don't know either one of them right now. <laughs> okay, well that's all right. Ten for ten. You the first draw I've had today on that. <laughs> Three, take care of your family. Hey, Three you, commandments. Hey, you heard it here from Ali Al. Al say that again. Ali Al. Ali Al with his own Ten Commandments of the Street. We call them Street Commandments. Street Commandments. So after a long day, I love my Detroiters. But I have to say, Jesus winning right now. And half of them ain't going to even make it to heaven because they really didn't know the Jesus laws either. Bill of Rights. We had one, mostly everybody named Jesus. Jesus is the man. I ain't knocking Jesus. WWJ. That's cool. But I don't think Jesus is going to be there when Mr. Officer trying to lump me upside your head. I'll run up in your creek. Just saying, okay? So you need to know your Bill of Rights. You need to know the laws of your land. Because trust me, it's easy to pull the wool over the sheep eye when the sheep don't even know he got eyes to have wool pulled over. <laughs> it might not make no sense, but you'll figure it out. This your boy, comedian Detroit Red, live from the street. Hey, go to church and read the Constitution. Deuces. <laughs> Man, the guy with the crown royal bag is a classic. Oh my god. His fucking breath smelled like pennies. <laughs> god, Detroit Red's good. Yeah. Hey, Detroit Red, yeah, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. I like that. Red, I think, has a future. Red, you could put that on Fox 2 tonight, and that thing would be the biggest thing viewed. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. Honest would to God. Be. So yeah, good was, job there, good. Red. Really good. Um, it's good. Be, we're, um, I don't know even how I'm going to do it this way. Let me just tell you about ADR uh, Consultants. If, if you're a construction outfit doing business in Michigan, how do you navigate bureaucracy? How do you keep to the rules? How do you grow your company? How do you keep them from getting into your pockets? How do you do all of that? Who do you call? Call Barry Ellen Tuck at ADR Consultants. Honest, ethical, smart, 248 318 9424 for a free consultation. Uh, ADR are experts in procurement. Think of all these things. This, my friends, is where the frustration's at. This is what COVID has exposed. The fact that procurement, government compliance, management, your taxes, how do you stay afloat when they're trying to get into your pockets and make you pay and pay and pay? How do you get your bottom line in the black? You call ADR Consultants. They've been around for a long time. 248-318-9424. Information technology, property management, the whole deal. Go with ADR for your company, municipality, or law enforcement agency. Now, I also want to look at this shirt. Here it is, folks. They're in. Beautiful. Yay, you got it, Charlie. Fix the shit. Fix the shit. Let's Real see quick. the sleeve. Right there. What's it say? I don't even know what it says. It says no... Bullshit news, Charlie LaDuff. Yeah, let's get a movement going. Just <laughs> fix the shit. Again, I'm now, I didn't want to get in the news, but a real quick one. 
There's now a July 17th deadline for nursing homes to start testing July 17th. Slow down. And they and they can't get it together? That's Fix a long shit. time. I don't know. It's ridiculous. It's That's ridiculous. a long time. But I want to get into it. It's July 4th. I, while we're playing this, I know what happens when we play these bits. People drop out. They go away. I guarantee you're going to love this audio segment about the humble origins of American Coney Island, AmericanConeyIsland.com. Get your Coney kids delivered. We all know that. Do it. You've all been responding. But this is the story going all the way back to Greece, to the corner today. And what is truly great about America? Not, I don't know if we're given the equal opportunity, but we're supposed to. I don't know if we're all created equal. Some are tall, some are short, some are pretty, some are smart, but we're all guaranteed an equal opportunity. And here's a story of a teenager with one pair of shoes. He takes that opportunity and he does something. And while we're listening, stay tuned. We're going to try to get American music legend Jose Feliciano on the the line. I hope we do. If not, we'll get him another time. But please enjoy this the story of the American Coney King. George Karos, the Detroit Coney King, died four times last week. To make matters worse, the reports of his multiple deaths bubbled among family and friends of the other George Karos Coney Kings, who are related, share the same name, and also reside in the Detroit area thus sowing confusion and despair all around as they fielded condolence calls for a man who was not their father. death of George Karos, former proprietor of Lafayette Coney Island, occurred two weeks ago at his home in Illinois. He died peacefully at 87. The second death of Lafayette George came a week later when his passing was reported online by a local newspaper as breaking news. The story was riddled with inaccuracies, which were quickly copied and disseminated by the other news outlets. That's when the calls started pouring into the other George Karos families. The third death came the following morning when a corrected story was published in the paper's print edition, which was gratifying to the other Carol's Coney families who had been barraged with texts and voicemails. Yes, all was good, except for the fact that the photograph was not that of Lafayette George, but rather of his cousin, also named George Carol's, himself the one-time prince of American Coney Island, located directly next door to Lafayette Coney Island, at the corner of Michigan Avenue and Lafayette Boulevard in downtown Detroit. The two Georges were related and grew up together, but it can be accurately reported that they were, in fact, not the same person. Sadly, George of American Coney Island passed away in 2002, and now here he was, passing away again, making him our fourth George Karos of the week. Imagine the confusion of poor Chuck Karos, 83, the retired king of American Coney Island, when the morning paper arrived on his porch. 
Looking up at him was the picture of his brother next to the story of his cousin. It must be said that Chuck is living the latter years of old age and struggling with the difficulties that come with that. Looking down at the thin news pages, his first feelings were those of disorientation, something like an old sailor on rough, strange seas. My brother died! And then the tears flowed. Oh my God, I'm next! And then King Chuck gathered himself, wiped his eyes, poured a regal cocktail, laughed hysterically, and then canceled his subscription to the newspaper. The story of the Carroll's family deserves to be properly memorialized. It stretches from the old world mountains of Greece to the bustling new world boulevards of America. They are a clan who has prospered and multiplied, changed what and how we eat, and all the while become a cultural touchstone of the Motor City. It begins in the impoverished village of Dara, when 16-year-old Konstantinos Kiriakopoulos is sent down the mountain by his father, yes, his name was George too, to the docks of Patra to make his way in America. Gust buys a ticket, boards the Francisca, and lands at Ellis Island in November 1906. Coming home from Coney Isle by Len Spencer and Ada Jones. <laughs> The owner of a single pair of shoes and unable to get much going, young Gust heads to Detroit, but not before the teenager sets his dark eyes upon the electric lights of Coney Island, Brooklyn. He becomes intoxicated by its sounds and smells, its loop-the-loop -loop roller coaster, Tilly's Ferris wheel, and Charles Feltman's Coney Island hot dog emporium. Gus shines shoes, pushes popcorn on Belle Isle, and sweeps shops. He sends for his younger brother, Vasilios Billy Keros, who makes his way down in 1910, boards the SS Demostocles, and finds his way to his brother in Boomtown, Detroit. Gus and Billy try their hand in the automobile and pickling plants, but settle on hat repair and shoe shining at a small storefront at 115 Michigan Avenue near Lafayette Boulevard. They install a grill in the corner where they roast hot dogs for sale. The hot dogs catch on after Gust adds a homemade meat sauce, a proprietary recipe that is still used today. Remembering his time in Brooklyn, Gust christens his creation Coney Islands in 1917, the same year alcohol is outlawed in Michigan. Business is good at the new American Coney Island, helped along by the speakeasy and gambling tables in the basement. So good, in fact, that Billy opens his own joint directly next door in 1929, calling it Lafayette Coney Island. It is an amicable relationship. The brothers prosper and have children. Gus, the American Coney King, begets George and Chuck and Joe and Ray. Billy, the Lafayette Coney King, begets George and Tony and John. That makes two Georges and two Coney Islands on the same block 
along with the arcade bar, also owned by Gust. Eventually, Lafayette George assumes the crown from his father, Billy. Likewise, Chuck inherits the American kingdom from Gust. Meanwhile, Gust's oldest son, George, lands in France during the Normandy invasion with the American armed forces, then falls in love with a Parisian woman. He lives there for a few years, appears in a few French B-films, falls out of love with the Parisian woman, returns to Detroit, only to find his brother has inherited the store. As a consolation, George is given the corner bar. Meanwhile, Chuck sends for his cousin back in Greece. His name too is George, and with Chuck's help, cousin George from Greece opens his own Coney Island in the suburbs of Detroit. But he is another George for another time. Lafayette George eventually sells his diner to his employees, who are neither Keros's nor George's, but rather Ali and Abdija. Lafayette George is survived by his sons Bill and Stephen, his daughters Leslie, Sandra and Madeline, and five grandchildren. Much has been made of the family feud between American and Lafayette Coney Islands, but it has been wildly overstated, says Bill Carros, the son of Lafayette George. I used to be sent out on the street to steal customers from American, he recalls. Believe me, it wasn't hard. But we're family. We've always loved each other. To which his cousin, Grace Carros, the current queen of American Coney Island and the daughter of Chuck, responds, Yeah, we love each other, but they were trying to steal customers. How nice was that after all we did for them? In Detroit, Charlie LaDuff, no bullshit news. Man, I love that story. It's a good story, Charlie. Beautiful. Well done. And Charlie, before we wrap up today, make sure you share. uh, People are saying two things. They want to know where to get the shirts. Uh, And we did have a viewer say that shipping is outrageous. Just FYI. Oh. But where can they get it? What can I do? I'm just sharing. Mark, why is shipping outrageous, Mark? I have no idea. It's crazy. I don't know. I I know why. Because we're not Amazon. <laughs> well, Matt we says it. in Sylvan Lake, and Dave, the owner at uh, the butchery, is wearing a fix the shit shirt. Beautiful. Nice. Beautiful. Yep. Thanks, you can, Matt. And, <laughs> and you get them at uh, drewandmikestore.com. Drewandmikestore.com. And I'm sorry about the uh, shipping. I mean, we're not getting rich. That, that was just one person. I don't know. Maybe. Well, it's, know. Cool, it's cool. I get it oh, because yeah. maybe, I got there's it. not a lot of money out there right now. But. Yeah. Uh, being non-specific because I don't want to trap myself in anything. The proceeds, whatever a- after costs, will go to uh, projects of our choosing uh, to help people, uh, helping specific people, getting some things done. You know, helping with those burials. That's what it's going to be used for. We're not going to get rich on them, mm-hmm. but I think we all want the shit to be fixed, including these shipping costs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I'll, come I'll on, try, Mark. I know. <laughs> well, I, governor, believe me, we, we keep none of the shipping and none of the tax. So, but you can you also. Send, are you going to send one to the governor and send one to the mayor? I've to, asked him. I, I again this week. I said, come on the show and talk to. You know, you're going on other talk shows with people that don't really know the specifics of stuff. Come here so we can follow up on them. And uh, when the governor says. I'm not going to give any testimony to Congress about these nursing homes because it's a partisan show. Well, this one is, and everybody knows I'm a nonpartisan, 
And I just want answers for my people, my brothers and sisters, all the Americans out there and all of our old ones. That's a pretty simple supposition. And, and that's what it's about. And if you don't want to, we'll continue on and we'll continue to set the news agenda. And you're going to have to answer it to somebody in some empty way. But we're laying it out and we're not stopping because that's our right as written down by the rich landowning white men. And even that document changes. So, and it's your responsibility as a journalist. Amendment number one, don't tell me what to write. There's only two <laughs> hey, rules. Get I'm it gonna, right and don't brand, be boring. Can I brandish my weapon? Of, can I go amendment number two? <laughs> well, you are a card-carrying member. Just be reasonable with it. Okay. <laughs> I'm very excited here. Uh, I just love this guy, Jose Feliciano. Just a legend. A, an American musical legend. Are you there, Jose? I am here. Thank you so much for coming Hello? on today. Um, I got to tell you, uh, I just really specifically, since July 4th, I want to talk about your rendition. It's very specific to Detroit. Your rendition of the national anthem, Game 5, 1968 World Series. I still listen to the brother just to listen to it as a song. It's so beautiful well thank you very much um uh that's what i had intended it to be but at that particular time there were so many things going on that it got lost in the translation <laughs> like set it up for the younger viewers what was happening in 68 when you decide to do in front of a national audience in America's pastime, this groovy, soulful rendition of the national anthem. What was going on that year in 1968? Well, that year in 68, uh, to, to start off the 60s, President Kennedy was killed. Then, uh, to make things worse, uh, Martin Luther King, my hero, and... He will always be my hero, uh, made that famous speech in Washington, and I thought, wow, there's hope. Things are going to go well. And then uh, he was killed in Memphis, and that was sad to me. That was 68, wasn't it? Yes, it was in 1968. That's the year... Uh, I had two songs on the charts. I had Light My Fire, which uh, uh, I enjoyed covering because I liked the doors. And then uh, High Heel Sneakers, which I also enjoyed covering. So you were rolling in 68. I mean, you, you, were, you were top of the charts. Your career's rocking at the same time in 68. Uh, Martin Luther King's assassinated and a hundred cities burn. Bobby Kennedy's assassinated. The Tet Offensive's going on. Uh, George Wallace, the segregationist, got 46 electoral votes. The Black Panthers are on trial for assassinating cops. The Weathermen are getting together. They're going to start uh, blowing up buildings. Everything's coming apart. And here you come, uh, Puerto Rican dude in a sweet looking suit, dark glasses. Nobody knows you're blind. You're right there, right there in Detroit, which has burned twice in two years. And you come up with that song. Uh, what happens? What happens after you get done playing it? 
Well, um, for example, um, that was the year that Denny McLean uh, won 31 games, I think. Mm -hmm. And there was a pitcher also in Detroit by the name of Don Mossy. Uh, there was um, Ray Euler, uh, uh, and there were a lot of good people uh, on the Tigers staff. And so the Tigers became my family. Um, I love them. I still love them today. And uh, insofar as that goes, uh, I feel okay. I can, I can live innocent with what's happening today, though. It bothers me. We have to get our things together, folks. What, what do you mean? Yeah, what bothers you? What bothers me is that after all this time, we still don't love one another the way we should. Wow. Now, now, after you did that national anthem, there was a lot of anger towards you because the version was different. Um, how did you handle uh, that anger, and what do you think of how uh, the feelings are towards the flag and the anthem today? Well, nobody should burn a flag. Whether you're white or black, the flag is sacred. It should not be burned. It shouldn't be stomped on. It's our flag, and we have to, right or wrong, stand up for our flag. What do you think about taking a knee during the national anthem? Well, whatever, however people want to express themselves, if they want to kneel, that's their prerogative. We're in America. And uh, that's how I feel. I feel the same way, brother. Um, Did this thing almost ruin your career? I mean, there was a lot of hate directed at you. I think, if I'm not mistaken, yours is probably the first version that isn't, standard you know with the the stripes and the and the and the brass and all that that you this was a couple of years before Marvin Gaye did his his famous rendition uh, et cetera et cetera so you're the first guy kind of to step out what did it do to your career well um you know i don't know i think it made people aware of me it made me a household name, you might say. Uh, I don't have any regret. Uh, I was proud, and I still am, of what I did. And the best thing about that whole thing was uh, I met my wife, who um, who is even uh, till today defending me, so... But I feel good, man. I I did what at the time I thought was the right to do it. And, of course, maybe now if I did it, it might not have the same impact in a sense. But I was so touched when I went to the 50th, I think it was anniversary, yep. uh, of the Tigers. And... Everybody was clapping for me. It made me 
feel like crying. And mm-hmm. I thought to myself, why couldn't you have done this for me then? <laughs> but that was then, and now is now. Well, sometimes it takes a, sometimes it takes a minute for people to really recognize and appreciate things. Uh, and dare I say that appreciation for you has done nothing but grown. And we here on the No BS News Hour continue to applaud and appreciate you as well. Well, I thank you, darling. And I just want to say to all of the lis- listeners that I love you. I'm grateful. Thank you for giving me a career so that I wouldn't have to sell newspapers uh, <laughs> somewhere or make uh, weave uh, chairs and things like that. Not that I put those things down, because one has to make a living however one needs to make a living. And Jose, you are still making music. I know uh, you got the website, josefeliciano.com, and a new song on there. Do you want to tell us about that new song quickly? Yes. Um, this is a song that my dear, my dear friend and producer, Rick Gerard found, and he said, Jose, you've got to do this song. So I do recommend everybody that's listening to me, go to my website, which is josefeliciano.com, and look at the video that's, uh, that's on there. I think it'll inspire you. I'll do it as soon as we're off. And I would encourage you to go to uh, drewandmikeshop.com and get a fix the shit t-shirt. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I would love it. That was easy. (laughs) Hey, Jose, so is your wife a Detroiter? She is. She's, um, Susan, why don't you tell them? Here, Susan. I don't think they're really here all over the Detroit. Yes, Southwest Detroit. Born in New York. Almost 100 years ago. (laughs) Well, shout out from home. I don't know where you're at, but, you know, come home visit soon. When you do, let let us take you out. I I yearn for it. I long for it. I love it. Uh, We're in Connecticut. We're in New England. After spending almost every weekend with my dad at the Greenfield Village uh, Henry Ford Museum, um, uh, we developed, uh, uh, I developed a, a real love for history and moved to California with, with Jose for a number of years, which I felt was bereft of history. Um, and um, so it was nice to have the opportunity to come, come back here. But I have family in Detroit. And it's environs, and I love you all. And I'm still, you know, I still am a Michigander. Right on. Hey, can you put Jose back on real quick? I, wanna I certainly can. <laughs> Hang on. Here you are. Okay. Hey, happy Fourth of July to all. Thank God you. You as well. God so, see, she's, she's a Detroiter, Charlie. Yep. Yep. Because she's from here. So, she is a Detroiter. There's, she there's is. Carrie has spoken. That's, that's why. Uh, I had her telling all of you all that information because uh, as long as I've been with Susan, there are things about her I don't know. I doubt that. <laughs> I think that's sweet. That, that just, yeah, that's you're always nice, learning. Long relationship. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, well, Jose, listen, how to learn. 
this city loves you. I, I can't tell you what you mean to me. Uh, I, I love this rendition of the song, Light My Fire. You did it better than The Doors did. There's no doubt about that. And um, when you do get here, please, you know, let us know. And uh, I'd, I'd love to take you around. All right, brother? Sure. I would love to. Okay, I'm going to let you go. We're going to just go out with uh, that rendition from 1968. Before we do, I want to just double what uh, Susan and Jose said. You're all my brothers and sisters. I love you. God bless America. If we're not there, we can get there. We will get there. And like Jose said, just try to love one another. I wish you all a happy fourth. Karen, Mark, Joey, Jose, and everybody listening. Thank you. You too, Charlie. Thank you. Get you, Mark. Thank you. Oh. 